0: The DMV killer speaks. You think maybe I could get a soda before we begin? The machine outside's got grape. Black cherry fits out. Two sugars. Just two. I don't want to get all jittery. I like to keep my hands steady. Steady at 10 and 2. <laughs> Jared Allen Baptist, a.k.a. the DMV Killer, terrorized the streets of Southern California's Manceta County from the summer of 1986 to the winter of 1988. As a road test examiner for the Department of Motor Vehicles, Baptist instructed his victims to secluded locations, where he notoriously strangled them with the chain of his agency-issued clipboard. Baptist targeted future motorists from teenagers to senior citizens, ranging from Class C and commercial to the occasional organ donor, of which Baptist always helped himself, usually pairing with a seasonal soft drink or frozen beverage from the convenience store. Following his incarceration at the Lenore Correctional Center in January 1993, Baptist gave his first private interview with the direction of former behavioral scientist and best-selling author, Sue Sellers. A later pioneer in the field of criminal behavior, as well as a primetime legal commentator for the Justice Network, Sellers taped all of her interviews with Baptist, eventually publishing her collective analysis in the formative paperback study, Ten and Two, Inside the Mind of the DMV Killer. Following, for the first time anywhere, are those tapes. Tell me about Fort Brainerd. I grew up in Fort Brainerd, Oklahoma. Cattle auctions, ice cream cones, typical small town. Guitarist Heath Hummer came through once. His tour bus got off the highway by accident, and the band Air dried their denim in the parking lot at Curly Q's wholesale swine and weekend pig races. Or so the story goes. The parental side of my upbringing was unsatisfying, to say the least. My old man was particularly difficult, always asking about my day or trying to teach me things. Once tried to take me fishing, another time camping. You know, really trying to get involved. I wasn't having any of it, so I split in 81 and came to Ignacio. I liked them all, so I stayed. (laughs) I ate so much junk food, that first week I lost 10 pounds. I found out later it was from a parasite. Pretty sure it was a chimichanga plate. You know, you, you gotta feature dish like that. You, you gotta make sure it's cooked to completion, you know? The mall, they felt bad, so they gave me work in the food court. Dippy dog. Corn dog joint. Longs, pups, regular size. They didn't like the way I looked at the customers, so they moved me to the back. First, the boiling station, then to assembly. I started writing these little salutations and mustard across people's dogs. you know, hello, sup the address of a vacant lot with a time. I guess folks like to put on their own condiments because they can be shortly thereafter. I hopped around the other vendors for a bit. Pizza poppers, carnival cuisine, the cookie cottage original pineapple Pete, The Bavarian. That was sit-down. I filled up the waters and put out the butter. They let me go because I kept asking the patrons their shoe size. I described myself as uniquely inquisitive. The manager described me as unsettling. I was pretty much done with them all after that. That day coming in, that's... That's when I saw it. In the parking lot of the pool hall, across from the motel where I was staying. For sale, 1970 Chevy liqueur, pistachio green. I watched it tirelessly from my room, dreaming of cruising up and down the strip at night, driving out to the quarry, the state park, the dam. I start fantasizing about the quiet. I miss the quiet of noise in Ignacio arcades boom boxes people laughing you know the resonating of general happiness enough to drive a sound man mad (laughs) you know so in my mind I drove eating my TV dinners in the window watching the car across the way standing outside at the railing with a cold one and Half a six or a lemon lime hanging by my side, picturing myself pulling through the car wash with my arm across the seat. Scrub a dub deluxe place on Sarasota had this one wash they called the the executive. Came with a vanilla orange air freshener in the shape of a creamsicle. One time I found one discarded in a storm drain. Uh, you know, the orange had worn off. Still had a hint of the vanilla. That car got me through a lot of lonely nights, chained away in my room. Trips along the coast, old logging roads. Clock on the wall, ticked away to my mental mileage. Wheels, radials, turning, spinning, burning rubber in my head with smoke after smoke, ashtray after ashtray. Really stifled the insomnia. got a lot of thinking done. The road in your head has a funny way of weaving your thoughts together. If not nodding them. Society's pressures, the ones pushed on you, sort of lift off your shoulders and accountability slips right through your fingers. You start to see it all for the charade you always knew it to be, but hoped was the mere manufacturing of your arrested pubescence. I hold quite the load out there. Meandering the blind bends of my thinker. Sometimes I just pull in somewhere and grab a slushy. Green apple, pino colada. You know, if they had it. Three squirts, minimum. <laughs> Old habits are hard to shake. Even in dreams. Did you ever get the car? I'll take another soda. So in 84, I started working at the department for Mancina County. Seemed like a fair thing to do at the time. Qualifications were pretty relaxed, so that went away in the way my favor, seeing as I had none. No qualifications. Hell, they didn't even have me drive around the block or anything. They just gave me a clipboard and assigned me a car each day. I think they were just happy someone applied. At 20 years old, I was the youngest ever road examiner in the county's history also killed the most students their faces they start to get to you bubbly bounce on return to the department leaving you there at the curb with your long pants and your pens, skipping off into some blissful realm of eternal innocence. And their ticket? State-issued piece of plastic. Didn't mean a thing, but it went to their heads. Every one of them. Suddenly, they were better than the rest of us. Us. Them. You know, everybody. The first one was a few days before the 4th of July weekend, 86 girl with the ponytail got in, cracked open a pop, and we were on our way. She didn't say much. Too nervous, I guess. I <laughs> mean, two of us. I knew I was gonna do it. Had to do it. Then she launched into her holiday plans, driving up to a friend's cabin with her track star boyfriend and several other couples from school. That made it easier. It was going to be romantic and she was going to wear his ring. Something about her parents wanting to meet his parents before or something. I don't know. I was entering a different space. It was a hot day, I remember. My soda can on the dash was sweating as we crawled along at a snail's pace in the left lane with our blinker on. I tapped on my clipboard with my ballpoint to the rhythm of the sound. I directed her to a boat ramp by the lake and told her it'd be good practice for the kind of road she'd be on over the weekend, you know, and how how it would impress her friends. The clipboard chain was a strong enough gauge to do the trick. She was pretty petite. It was over quick. The quiet by the lake was nice. I hitchhiked back to the department and told them we were carjacked at knife point by a guy with a mullet wearing a shirt that said, no chicks. I told him the girl took off. I'll admit, it was flimsy. Especially when the girl never came home. <laughs> You'd think the police would wanted to talk to me, but no one ever came around. Because I took that as a license to keep on doing it. Because I knew I was going to do it again. After a while, it got difficult coming up with new excuses for not returning back with the car or the student, and by that point, the police knew they had a killer on their hands. I was brazen. I'd pull in with a tow truck after having the driver stop to get me a popsicle, expecting the lot to be swarming with cops from any number of missing or mutilated kids. Hell, standing by the soda machine in the break room, I half expected any number of my co-workers in a momentary jolt of good judgment to place a call to the police. After hearing me stumble through one of my many leaky stories, I spun together right there on the spot, separating me from student and car, which always lined up perfectly with any single killing or disappearance. Stories which not only contradicted themselves, but each other. And not in minute ways, but, you know, big blaring ones. Like a blood-stained shirt I blamed on a bump and a strawberry slush. One time even explaining away a bit of brain matter on my shoulder as a fruit chunk. Never mind all the requests for a new clipboard. You'd think that'd raise some kind of suspicion. But no one thought to ask. No, hey, this guy really runs through the clipboards. It's like the (laughs) folks down there, it's like they didn't even care. Why not simply drive the department vehicles back yourself? Why complicate matters? <sighs> he uh seemed to be running low on fuel here. I'm uh I'm feeling pineapple this round. Hit the button without the label. It'll know what to do. Summer of eighty seven, the city was in a panic. School year was fast approaching and I was keeping busy. Vehicular accidents involving young motorists were leveling off as I thinned the herd. I saw it as a public service. (laughs) The county's mandated curfew helped out, particularly with the noise in the city. Still, I prowled Monday through Friday, eight to four, not including federal holidays. It's a trite thing to say, but I got good. My authority made it easy directing them where to go. I'd tell them, okay, you're gonna want to take next left up here, and they'd have no idea. I'd even give them little things for my amusement, like, oh, I wouldn't worry about your mirrors. I'd shoot them a wink and everything. Sometimes the elderly ones would go on at length about their personal problems and stuff, corns, why their families never call. And that would always put me out of the mood. I'd usually just administer the test to them. I wouldn't kill them. Sometimes I kill them. But it got to be after a while, it wasn't challenging anymore. And you know, I was honing a craft. <sighs> An unquenchable craft. So I dubbed things. Tommy Pierce was the first one I ate. His liver was so succulent, it melted on my tongue. I mean that. I don't like to exaggerate. It's unbecoming. I rubbed it with garlic salt and drawn butter and washed it down with a 70-ounce lemonade chill with a cherry licorice straw. The Indigestion was unbearable but worth it. Brought on some pretty wild dreams, I'll tell you that. The ones I didn't eat just strangled or cut a little. You remember them by their clothes and how much fight they had in them. Paolo Martín had on a brown shirt with a <clears throat> an orange sun. It said radical. Becky Ferris wore a sweatshirt with a class year and the name of a nondescript college. That's how I remember them. But the ones I ate, when you remember them, you start to salivate. It's a primal involuntary response. Animals, that's all we are. And if you don't mind me saying, Miss Sellers, in a purely theoretical, academic observation, in your case, My indulgence would be the heart. It's like a roast, the heart. Not as tough as you'd think. Tender, juicy. It falls away with the teeth and softens. The taste is intense. Invigorating. Revitalizing. And to drink. You do not disappoint, Miss Sellers. With you? Something watermelon. Something with bubbles. How charming. Let's talk about Sheila Crater in your capture. Aww, we were just starting to have fun. (laughs) Sheila, Sheila, Sheila. She was a willful one and the worst driver in the bunch. It was a simple midday parallel park downtown several days before Christmas. I'd killed that morning and had a new clipboard and car by lunch. Efficiency down at the department was smoother than ever, now that I was senior road examiner. She had these glasses that looked like the bottoms of two root beer mugs, kind of like a bug. Shopping cart of metal in her mouth, and hair like a fire-red nest of scratchy and teethy pests face looked like a glazed raspberry turnover. You know, splotchy and smushed all to hell in the wrapper. The first half hour getting to space was rough and our back end was still hanging out in the street. (sighs) Frozen coal in hand, I played the part calm like a snake in the grass under a barrage of honking, vulgar taunts and tasteless verbal abuse from the other motorists. A lot of crazies out there. I got lost in the tempo of a sidewalk Santa, and before I knew it, the street was gridlocked. We were packed in like a box of gummy fish. And Sheila, unruffled, kept trying to make progress with the space. Clearly, she had had practice in hostile situations. I admired her for that, her determination. At that time, more or less, we were running on fumes, and Sheila had all but grinded away the gears and the transmission was going on us. I noticed a crowd of people around a newsstand on the sidewalk, you know, outside the car. Then with a break in the flock, there was my kisser up on the television. My department ID picture. Special bulletin. A quieted hubbub of Murmurs began to fill the scene. All parked. A kid made me and announced it like it was a game of spotlight. Sheila split. Everybody swarmed the car and beat it all to hell. With me inside, jammed the doors, I couldn't get out. Patrol cars showed up and had their record tow me down to the station. Folks stepped out of the houses the whole way, cheering like it was a parade. I mean, you know, honestly, that, that wasn't called for. I wrote the city a letter expressing my displeasure. You know, you, you can't treat your citizens that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was a fluke. The whole thing. Turns out soil tested from the crime scenes turned up all 47 flavors of slushy syrup sold in Mancita County. Well, I guess that got the ball rolling for them then a chatty convenience store clerk. Well, I never did care for that guy. Eventually, the department's cars started popping up and <laughs> the ride was over. Let's skip ahead to the trial. Tell me about the defense. Let me get something straight. That was the attorney's idea to lay down that plea, which I didn't agree with. Insanity brought on by a high-sugar-based diet, a side of $4 words like cerebral equilibrium and liver failure. And all of it despite representatives from the Food and Drug Administration taking a seat on the DA's team, alongside appointees from all the major soda companies. And my time on the stand didn't help. I butchered being cross-examined taking the better part of a half hour to name off all the drinks and flavors I partook in at the time, which you'd think would have helped with the insanity defense. But my attorney said I did it with a big smile like I was recalling the names of cherished classmates. You know, while making little comments about each one, even at one point requesting directly to the prosecution the return of some of their limited time flavors, like tropical fruit mango, or cranberry cookie. Mmm. And peach flamingo. That had little bits of peach in it, and the cup had this cool flamingo with dark sunglasses. I know, apparently, in law, if you like something, you can't blame it for your actions. I told him it was a bad idea. If not the diet, what then? I wouldn't attribute leaving home to your behavior. And I guess I'm still foggy on the student vehicles. After all they incriminated you. Why leave those factors to chance? I I don't I don't believe you wanted to get caught. This um this book of yours It's honest to goodness. My old man tried teaching me a lot of things before I ran off. How to bait wood carving, wood burning, fire starting cracking, hunting. No, oh, but I didn't want to bait and tackle. Or hunt. Or burn my name into a piece of driftwood. Yep. <laughs> my dad taught me a lot of stuff, yes sir. But the one thing he didn't teach me was how to drive. Fuck your woolly buggers! <laughs> Teach a man to fish and all that nonsense. How are you gonna to get to the stream? Huh? Tell me. Your friends. Uh, seeing the confidence in those kids, I guess you could say you got to me. I do a lot of reading here. Got a whole collection of nature magazines because they show a lot of nature. Geographic digest. Got the full eighty nine run. Read about this one tribe in eastern Africa called the Amani. The and they got this sort of rite of passage the boys take in order to enter manhood. Girls too, but there's a different. The boys climb to the top of this massive mud slope, then get put in a cylindrical basket and rolled down the hill. When they emerge at the bottom, they have to run in a straight line to a marked tree in the distance. Run, not walk. Sprint. If they can maintain that bearing, they've proven they can stay steady and on course even under adverse conditions. And are therefore ready for adulthood. Of course, that's over in Africa still take out that Chevy for a spin sometimes late at night. The pistachio one. Along the grooves of white painted concrete and scratched steel. By the high school campus and out to the drive-in. The lake. A gorge. Sipping and slurping on blue coconut. Gotta keep that engine running. Uh, remember, Eyes on the Road. <laughs> this has been a production of Thaddeus Ellenberg's Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg with an introduction by Nicole Kalasic and artwork by Adrian Lobel. This series is independently produced by Thaddeus Ellenberg. To find more episodes and information, visit our website at tecasualfriday.com or email us at contact.casualfriday at gmail.com.